0: I was driving yesterday and I saw an enormous billboard that said, Drew, did you know that Drew Barrymore now has a talk show? I did know that because I follow her on Instagram, but I would have been taken aback by the enthusiasm of said billboard. I mean, I'll watch maybe, I mean, not every episode, but I think like, so then I Googled and so obviously, I think it must have just launched because there were so many news items that were like four hours ago, eight hours ago, you know? Yes, I do. I do think it just launched. I think Billy Eichner was on. I didn't like look at all the news articles, but I saw that there was one that was like, why are the Charlie's Angels still such good friends? So I think she had them on. Oh, that's cute. Isn't that adorable? I was very charmed. Yes. Ah, that LA life. Clearly around here, there would be no billboards advertising Drew Barrymore's new talk show. I know, I was like, there's so many shows that I feel like I would just never hear of. And indeed, there are so many shows that I never hear of until I drive past their like for your consideration signs. Yes, uh, yeah. Like every once in a while you're like, what's Jennifer Aniston in now? Apparently she's up for an Emmy. Yeah, I didn't kind of clock how many of these billboards were actually around LA. I think I just like became immune, but having moved now, I'm like, "Oh, yes. I I I they were a noticeable presence." Well, I think it's also cuz LA is such a driving city. Like there's more billboards for everything. There's more billboards for weed. There are billboards against abortion. There are billboards for various ambulance chasing law firms. Yes. Constant billboard life. Much like the strip malls that just say dentist. Yeah, that's a spe- specific LA quality that I had to point out to Alex once we moved because so for those of you who- You're like these businesses that actually have their names posted. Yeah, so for those of you who have never been to Los Angeles, there's this really weird thing that LA does. They ha- LA has like a ton of strip malls and at the outside of every strip mall, there's like a big sign that like lists all the businesses, but instead of giving you a business name, it'll just say Donuts. Thai food, dentist. It's really weird. And we were really baffled by it when we first moved there. But if you think about it, it totally makes sense. Because if you see a business from the road, rather than being like, ah, what does Lucky Walk sell? You now know they sell Chinese food. Frankly, the name could have told you that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but maybe you were like happy smiles. I don't know. What could that be? And maybe they're a dentist or maybe they're, what else could they be? I don't know. Anything. A candy store. The opposite. A little bit of a sidebar. I didn't know until I was an adult what a strip mall was. I thought it was a mall that was like in a line. Oh, I thought you were going to say like a mall where like strippers worked. No, I just thought it like was a not very classy mall, which I gathered from context. Yes. Um, But that it was like all in a row, like, like an outlet mall with a sort of an outdoor component that happened to be... On one street, maybe. Oh, that's classier than what they are. Well, I think the word mall is quite misleading. Yeah, no, I. But agree. maybe because like my East Coast sensibility is so permanently like a mall is a large, generally indoor building. Yes, here we do have true malls, but they have outdoor components. Well, what it. I've read actually, and this was a while ago, was that there hasn't been a fully indoor mall built in like the last twenty years in the country. In the country, yeah, like they are all now like have some sort of outdoor component or are partially outdoors or something like that. Like those all indoor malls that all got built up in the 80s, like they don't build those anymore. I'm legit astonished. I'm so glad I could have <laughs> could bring this back to you. Um, you know what else was astonishing? How bad Love Guaranteed was. Yes, thank you for completing my thought. You're welcome. So, welcome to Rom-Comathon. I'm Alex and I'm Cat and I don't know if anyone else chooses to watch this movie as a result of this podcast, but I will say that it was my idea to watch this movie when Alex presented me with options, and I'd just like to apologize. Yeah, you must take responsibility for this. We were like, ooh, we're coming off of our hiatus. We're like, you know, getting ready to do our new episode. And Kat was like, let's watch Love Guaranteed. I presented her with a number of other options, and she was like, ooh, this one, and then... I'm so sorry. So for context, all I knew was that it was a Netflix rom-com starring Rachel Lee Cook and Damon Wayans Jr. And in light of these things, I thought it would be a good movie. And I cannot express how mistaken I was. Wow, you really hated this one. Uh, uh, yeah. Th- did you not? I hated it too, but I think I understood... That it was not going to be good. Well, because I warned you. Yes, but also I think I either like saw the trailer or I saw the poster and I was like, oh, this looks like a Hallmark movie. Like this looks bad. I just, I don't know that I hated the movie, but I hated myself so much for having chosen to watch the movie. And it was only 90 minutes and it was like the longest 90 minutes. You're not wrong. I had to watch like in between like classes and stuff. And so I had like split it up. At one point, I was like, wait, are you serious? There's 24 minutes of this film left? Like, how is this possible? And I would like to preface that having enjoyed both Rachel Lee Cook and Damon Wayans Jr. in previous films, I was just staggered by how much I did not enjoy them in this movie. Do you want to relate the plot? I, I don't, but but I will. Uh, Rachel Lee Cook is a busy businesswoman who only loves business. By which I mean, she is a lawyer. She is a workaholic who happens to live next door to her sister and her sister's family. Oh, but we also must, man- must mention that she is a do-gooder, so therefore she is impoverished. <laughs> Yes, she seems to have her own firm and no time for anything but work. And despite living next to her sister, she can't spend time with them. She instead has to like sit and look out her window thinking about how lonely and busy she is. But she doesn't look that busy because she's looking out her window. Yeah, I also was perplexed by the fact that she clearly like had enough startup capital to like have her own firm and hire two employees. But is like, I don't know, just like always just scraping by every month. I don't know if she's only, like, is she just working pro bono somehow? Like, how is she affording any of the overhead? I really, truly don't know. Because, like, two employees and a rental for a not, like, a a sizable office in Chinatown still seems pricey. Yeah, it's like, so they're in Seattle, and it's like she has her own one-woman, like, legal aid office. It's really weird. It's super weird. But that's fine. Okay, so one day, Damon Wayans Jr. shows up and everyone's excited because they're like, a client. Maybe if someone actually pays us to do some legal work, we could afford to have a water cooler in the office, literally. And she meets him and it's immediately like, pass, because it turns out his case is he wants to litigate against a dating website. Yes. An online dating website called Love Guaranteed, which, as you might guess, guarantees love if you go on a thousand dates. And he apparently in, I don't know, there doesn't seem to be a time limit, but it sounds like based on the number of dates he talks about having per day, he, in the space of a year, has gone on like 900 something dates and is like, I'm ready to sue this company. Which I thought was really weird. Like I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop with him and and it never dropped. Matt and I were really fixated on whether like he didn't have a job or if he was like independently wealthy and it eventually came out that he's an ex pro ball player who now works as a physical therapist who wants to win the money and donate it to a children's hospital Or like to a hospital to build a children's wing? Something like that. But it's something about children and charity. But I truly thought for the longest time during this film that he was like, he had some like personal vendetta against this company. Like I was like, oh, is he the ex of the founder? Like, like, I just thought there was a more, I don't know, like there was like another motive because I was like, surely not that they made this character like an up and up person who just happens to want to sink like thousands of dollars into an utterly frivolous lawsuit. Yeah, it's like almost a whim. And I think the idea, there's sort of two motivations at play. The The one that's supposed to make us like him is his desire to donate this money to the children's whatever. But he seems to be rich. Could he not just donate his own money? I mean, it ends up being like 500 grand. So that's a lot of money. He's an ex-pro ball player. I guess grand the question is, is still a lot. how long did he play ball? Okay, but pro ball players make so much money but yes perhaps he perhaps that's one motive but then there also seems to be a thing about like maybe he didn't really want to find love and that's why he couldn't find love but that's not very well developed no no but also maybe he just like doesn't like when people guarantee things they do seem to both have like an i want to be right personality which I'm sure is going to work out well in the future. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, obviously they fall in love during the course of this lawsuit, and then he ends up. Damon Wayne Jr. ends up like proclaiming his love to her at the like the end of the trial, which totally tanks their case. But so they lose. Well, he drops the lawsuit. It's a whole like, well, you kind of did find love through love guaranteed. Oh, also because Rachel Lee Cook's stupid employees signed her up for the service. So now they both have profiles on this website yeah. run by Heather Graham. But then they, the website is like, you know what? We were so, like, touched by you guys actually finding love that we would like you to be our new, like, featured couple, and so they managed to negotiate $500,000 to be donated to Damian Wayne Jr.'s hospital of choice. Yes, and everyone has changed everyone's personality somehow, and that that's that. Yeah, it wasn't a total, that wasn't a very comprehensible, like, plot summary, but it it. The the film was not, like, I was like, what is happening? This makes no sense. Anyone's motivations. <laughs> in short, Damon Wayans Jr., who may or may not be sad about being single, hires Rachel Lee Cook to bring a suit against a dating website that guaranteed love but didn't find him love. And then they fall in love. Surprise, surprise, the end. I'd like to bring up something that I... For whatever reason, couldn't get over, which was that Rachel Lee Cook's name was Susan. Oh, mean either. When she got introduced <laughs> at the beginning, I I, I said to myself, Susan? Susan? Do you know anyone named Susan who isn't old enough to be our parents? Susan? It wasn't like Susie. It wasn't like Suze. It wasn't like Susanna. It was Susan. I was so flabbergasted that I had to Google, and I'm not wrong, the name peaked in the 50s. Oh. Like, that is the age of most Susans. Well, I mean, look, first of all, I, I must, like, I want to apologize to anyone named Susan who's, like, listening to our and podcast. I'm not saying I hate the name Susan. I'm just saying I was astonished that a that they, she was playing a person who was, at most, what, like, 40. Yeah, like at 30-something yes. probably, right? Yes, and and it was Nick, his name is Nick, and then Susan. <laughs> to be fair, men's names are so much more stable. That's true. Trend-wise. Yeah, yeah. There's like the same like a hundred like men's names that are like popular forever. Yes, he could have been Nick in 1956, which is when they should have been born if her name was Susan. Do you think Rachel Lee Cook got a nose job because Alex thinks she got a nose job? Oh, I don't know. Never thought about it. I can never really tell unless it's like really obvious, like Renee Zellweger obvious. So like, and I personally have not paid so much attention to Rachel Lee Cook's face. She is so beautiful, but I was actually thinking that she looks almost she she looks like a slightly aged picture of herself. Oh, she has not changed. She also now looks almost exactly like Juliette Lewis what yes did you not notice we were watching and we were like oh my god that's juliette lewis's face oh i'm much more familiar with rachel lee cook than Juliet lewis so i don't know in fact i'm not even sure if i'm picturing the correct well, person just imagine juliette, so. just imagine <laughs> rachel lee <Leigh> cook's <laughs> face from this film and then just like superimpose a smirk on it okay okay but let's talk about Damon Wayne's Jr.'s crusade. At one point, Rachel Lee Cook is like, I'm impressed by your time management because he seems to have time to maybe work, maybe volunteer as a physical therapist and also go on dates for all his meals every single meal, wouldn't you drown yourself? So many dates in one year. I seriously could not believe it. Is it one year? Is it two years? Because it says like with it, when we meet his like ex-fiance, it was like they ended their relationship like two years ago. Okay. I mean, maybe it's maybe occasionally he went on vacation and didn't date for a week, but he literally says like, this is my breakfast restaurant. These are my, like, he lists a handful of restaurants that he goes to on these dates and she's impressed because they're fancy because initially she's trying to figure out if he's just, like a scam artist which i feel the jury is still out on that but i was really hoping by the way they were real restaurants and i think i googled one of them but it seems not but see this is why i kept thinking he had an ulterior motive like, that was where I thought the- st- So did she! Yeah, that's what where I thought the structure of the film was going to go. Like, I that's why I, w- I kept waiting for there to be, like, a personal vendetta against Love Guaranteed for some reason. And it seems like, no, this crazy man legit went on a thousand dates with a thousand different women and didn't find a single one. Which, can we talk about this? Like, would you not think that if you dated a thousand people that you would look at this and think, hmm, I think the- common denominator is me well if he was as listless on the dates as he was in this movie maybe (laughs) i just found this really absurd like and they feature like some of like a few of his like you know last few dates and they are terrible but like surely not a thousand single women in the greater seattle area it didn't seem like they were all terrible. Like, some of the people that Rachel Lee Cook went and, like, essentially deposed were seemed normal. However, the highlighting of the horrible, weird dates did make me kind of uncomfortable. It had a feeling of misogyny to it. I, like, you know, 30 minutes into the movie when we were meeting these people, like, girl who talked about cats. Like, girl who had a lot of allergies and was really, like, unpleasant or whatever. I... Was like was this movie written by a dude? And then there was some kind of like really awkwardly shoehorned in DMing reference, and I was like, was it written by an old dude? But no, it was written by two women, which is kind of disappointing. And produced by Rachel Lee Cook, like I think it was her idea. Uh, it seems very disappointing. I I I just thought like all the date stuff really smacked of sexism because like come on, a thousand dates. <laughs> Yes, it it gave the whole movie like a really heavy handed, not like other girls vibe. Yes, exactly. then she like sits down and he's like my god she eats food she can hold a conversation which okay based on Rachel Lee Cook's pre-existing personality in this movie if you couldn't meet someone more fun than her in a thousand dates something's wrong. Yes like clearly you are the one with the unfun personality like the fact that there's the whole scene where like he goes on his thousandth date and it's terrible and Rachel Lee Cook like shows up and then the waitress asks her oh what do you want to eat and she's like oh i'm gonna have a burger and fries and the waitress is like what without any substitutions like as if this is like a rare unicorn in the desert i know a lot of people female who go out and order a burger and fries um i mean maybe there is something to damon wayans jr being unfun because he doesn't seem to have any friends except for the old guy who sets him up with rachel lee cook like, I get that Rachel Lee Cook is unfun and Has No Friends. That kind of tracks. But why doesn't he? I was very impressed, though, that this movie managed to shoehorn in a magic old black man when there was already a black man in the main role. We're coming so far. I must say there were a huge number of people of color, though, except for Dame Wins Jr., not in meaningful roles. Yeah. Oh, I did like how um, Rachel Lee Cooks, one of her employees, is both of color and gay. And I was like, ah, yes, they always go for that double one. They really, like, cram them in there. I felt bad for his husband because he was stuck working for Rachel Lee Cook like all night cuz they were like court is in a week. I was, "Can you not get a continuance or something?" You are revealing to me by the way a lot of details and the fine details from this film that I completely missed because I was like, "What is happening?" Um like mentioning that guy's husband, I did not know he was married. I gotta say, oh, he is married and they, he, because it's so hard out there in the dating world, he proposed after two weeks. I completely missed this conversation, but I must say, I don't feel like I missed anything. No, no, you didn't. I, your thing about thinking that Damon Wayans Jr. was gonna have, like, some kind of reveal about his ulterior motives and presumably that would upset Rachel Lee Cook would make sense as a crisis point for this film and probably would have been better than the kind of like ginned up crisis we got instead. But there wasn't any crisis. That was kind of the issue is that I kept waiting for the, like I said, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? Because in rom-coms, like it just in film structure, like you're going to have a low point, but... Truly, the low point they went with was that Love Guarantee kind of sort of blackmails Rachel Lee Cook. No, it's before that. Uh, Well, oh, yes, no, it is that, but... The low point is basically like, oh, they've fallen in love, but they can't talk about the fact that they've fallen in love and that might ruin their case. So then he doesn't know why she won't talk to him and he's upset. And then she's lonely and looking at leaves in the park because she's so sad. Well, yeah, I mean, this all stems from because Love Guaranteed like threatens her by saying like, well, like your case won't have any like, like any legs to stand on because the site guarantees that like you'll find love but not necessarily with someone you go on a date with. But as his lawyer, maybe they should talk about this. Yeah, Alex kept screaming. So Alex did not watch like the last like third of the film. She was like so done with the situation. But at one point- why? But, but she was like screaming during the middle. She was like, just talk to each other. Just tell him why you can't be together. Just be like, look, Damon Wayne Jr., I have the hots for you, but we can't be together because they're blackmailing me. Let's just put a pause on this until the case is over yes but to be fair in all rom-coms people cannot talk about their feelings or the movie would end it's true (laughs) like they couldn't possibly like express their feelings to each other and be like hey i would really like to go on a date with you but we just can't right now we just have to like solve this problem first but maybe rachel lee cook has just like kind of never had a conversation with another person outside of work because although this is work but you know so Several months ago, while watching something else, I forget what, I expressed a complaint I often have, which is sometimes when you see people's phones in a movie, even if it's like a dad and his daughter, it's like they've never texted before. Yes, there's like no previous text chain. I don't, I just feel like this would be like an easy situation for the props department to solve. Or, you know, CDI or whatever, whoever's doing that, like how hard would it be to be like, Hey, bye. Talk to you later. Like above the new text. You literally have to send like three texts. Is it just for readability? I don't know, but it bugs me so much. But then the text that she sends him is literally you up, and then <laughs> <laughs> he replies, and then she writes back no with like seven hundred O's, and I was like, this thirty something, you <laughs> is this also her first time ever texting? <laughs> what's happening? Anyway, my overall feeling about this movie was that it was a movie of the quality of Christmas Prince, but I would rather watch 800 Christmas Princes because Christmas Prince is not trying to pretend it's a better movie than it is. It knows it's like the Hallmark Lifetime shtick. like it knows what it, what its niche is. And I couldn't enjoy this because it was somewhere in between. It really felt like it should have been like a Lifetime Hallmark movie. But it was with its stars and its tone, it was trying to pretend to be a better movie. And I just like couldn't. Well, I think we can safely say, though, it was not good. But even the performance, like, I like both these actors and... uh, Yeah, no, I can't get over Rachel Lee Cook's acting in the scene where she's, like, crying in her car to Tiffany. Like, she's, like, just, like, and it's, like, like, the subtitles are, like, sobbing as she's, like, driving. And I was, like, wow, this acting is so bad. Was she, did she used to be good at this? (laughs) Yes, I have previously genuinely loved her in other things. I don't know, I feel like maybe it's, like, a Natalie Portman in, like, like, the second Star Wars sort of situation. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Oh, she's really bad. Which is, like, bizarre. Because you're like, oh, Natalie Portman. Like, lady can act. Not not in episode two. <laughs> and, like, I'm quite fond of Damon Wayans Jr. And I found him funny and charming in many roles. Near the end, Matt literally yelled, wake up, at him. <laughs> I found him better than Rachel Lee Cook, though. It maybe it was a choice, maybe it was his dull personality. So dull, so dull. I was like I was like surely not. He's not just this like good person, but he is. The new children's wing part just like I couldn't stop laughing cuz it reminded me so much of a Christmas prince. Well, all right. So, what was your favorite scene? So here are my categories on my little, like, notes sheet. I have miscellaneous thoughts, most of which we've now covered. I have terrible lawyer, most of which we've now covered. Um, oh, wait, one more terrible lawyer thing. When they put his ex-girlfriend on the stand, she goes, I have no idea what Ariana will say. Um, maybe you should check before putting her on the stand. Yeah, that seems like a bad lawyer move. And I know that, and all my lawyer knowledge comes from the good wife. And then the next category, which you've now asked about, is things I might have enjoyed in a different film. I kind of enjoyed when he first showed up and I was still thinking it was going to be an okay movie and she was being like, yeah, hot, only to a certain kind of woman who is not me. Not so much the line itself, but the whole vibe, like that suggests a movie I'm going to enjoy. True. I slightly enjoyed him being like, so your car is possessed by Tiffany, when it's discovered that she has like a how I met your mother situation where one tape has been stuck in the deck forever. And I kind of genuinely enjoyed Heather Graham, the love guaranteed like guru, executive, whatever, weeping as they confess their love in the courtroom. It was kind of funny to me. Okay. So those are, I don't have any favorite scenes. I only have like one good line. What's your good line? Um, Well, Alex pointed out this one made us both like kind of laugh, which was, but it was so dumb. It was her being like, my employees are just like, you know, looking for other jobs. And then she pauses and goes like, oh, X like left his resume open on his computer the other day. There was a typo. I fixed it. (laughs) I did enjoy, like, some glimpses of her lame personality. Like, when she was like, oh, like, I got to say no comment. It was so cool to the press or whatever when they surrounded her about his case. But you know what I fully hated? When... She and Damon Wayans Jr. first start to fall for each other and she comes into the office next day and has fully had a personality transplant. Oh yeah, she's like crazy because she's like floating, trying to put poison in her coffee. Yes, it's like Damon Wayans Jr.'s awkward forehead kiss, which we have to talk about. Oh my god. um, Somehow fully transformed her into another human being who has been smoking something. So, like, straight out of Hallmark, the evening they spend together where they fall in love is when her sister, her pregnant sister, goes into labor and she unexpectedly has to babysit her, like, possessed nephew, who wasn't even, like, that possessed, but I guess they just couldn't find a kid who was, like, really good at acting at this. Um, and then... Oh, by the way, she lives next door to this family and it seems like she's never managed to figure out how to spend time with this child. Oh, yeah, and but not even, like, next door, like, it's a, it's like a duplex. <laughs> like, they share a wall. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to express how closely they lived. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, she and Damon Wayne and Jr. Unexpectedly find themselves having to babysit her nephew. And at the end of the evening, they're like having like such a moment. And then he just kisses her on the forehead. I, I think I said, what the fuck? Like, is this a relative at a funeral? What's happening? What the fuck? Like, why? Like, it wasn't like a cheek kiss. It wasn't like an awkward, like, gazing into each other's eyes, like, weird intimate hug. It was a forehead kiss. Who would, who would do this? Ew, 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 ew. You should never kiss someone on the forehead before you have kissed them on the mouth. Unless they are a child, in which case also don't ever kiss them on the mouth. We're like... A friend or like, you know, like, like, I just feel like platonic relationships, like, sure, like, kiss your, kiss foreheads, whatever, do whatever you want. But like, how often are you even doing that, though? I don't know, but romantic relationships, it seems very, it seems like a weird move. Like, unless the person is like, sick in bed, maybe. I don't know. I mean, know. I'm obviously not against forehead kisses. I just thought in this moment. It was so repulsive. It was horrible. Who would ever see that person again? You know, you make a really good point, because if I went on a date, and then at the end of the evening, like, we had a nice time, and then at the end of the evening, he left you with a forehead kiss, I would maybe be like, oh, I think maybe he's a sociopath. I once got a weird, like, top slash side of my head kiss because I tried to dodge someone. Yeah, but that's different. Like, he fully went in for the forehead. It's not like he, like, went for the mouth and she, like, gave him her head. Like, (laughs) she, like, ducked. Yeah, it was fully a forehead kiss. Like, so weird. Super weird. Oh, God. Anyway. um, So, and I, I don't have like a worse scene or a worse line because the whole movie exists. But some bad ones were his courtroom confession, uh, love confession at the end. um, The be very beginning of the film when she is making a speech for at the end of her case. It is bad. And within like 30 seconds, I was like, oh, this movie is terrible. Yeah oh, where to begin. It's weird because I have a note here that says I actually did not hate the end, but I have no idea what that's referring to because I tried to immediately bleach this from my brain. I think it must be like the very end and like after all the courtroom stuff because the courtroom stuff was pretty unbearable. Yeah, it's bad. And then they, but then the movie just ends. Like they walk out, they kiss in front of, in a crowd of reporters, which is like, super weird considering both of their personalities and then the very very last shot is like the two of them as love guarantees a new promotional couple you make a good point they both seem like private people yeah like and but they ended up like kissing in front of everyone there well they also confessed their love in front of a courtroom so apparently they contain multitudes um as his lawyer though would you not have been like super pissed that he just suddenly decided to like withdraw his lawsuit how indeed are they going to pay for that water cooler now? Maybe he can give them some of his money. Maybe she can bring him on as like a partner, like a silent partner in the business. Maybe they're now going to get money for being the love guaranteed models? Well, the 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 money they were going to get is the $500,000 that's going to the hospital. Oh, that's going to She's not, to the not getting life. a chunk of that. Is she? That would be No, no, you think look. you're right. No, you're totally right. I have to say, when they saw those um, the like original cardboard cutout people, and they were being like these implausibly attractive people. I know movies always do this, but I was a bit like, this seems ridiculous coming out of your mouth, but okay. You know what looked nice in this movie is the city of Seattle. Yeah, it did look lovely. Was it actually Seattle? I guess I don't. It, know. it was. Well, I don't know if they actually filmed in Seattle, but fake Seattle or you know, stand wherever in Seattle they shot looked nice. S- Seemed nice, although it seemed there were only four restaurants in the entire city, because everywhere they went, every single character in the movie was also there. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Um, Worst lines. There's one or two that I must mention. Okay. At one point, Matt left the room, and then the sound I made made him come back into the room and ask to rewind so he could see the lines that I had reacted to. And it was when... Damon Wayans Jr. was talking to his one friend, the old man he does physical therapy for. And the old man said, and oh, well, Damon Wayans Jr. was like, oh, she's my lawyer. And the old man said, last I checked, she was a woman first. (laughs) I gagged. (laughs) (sighs) but, But wait, seconds later... Um, he was being like, you have to, I don't know, whatever, just telling him to take a chance on love. And Damon Wayans Jr. said, what if I sink? Oh my God. Yes. Yes. I remember this. And then the old man said, what if you swim? And then I wished I could throw myself from the window. Unfortunately, I was not watching the movie recreationally. It was for the podcast. So I had to keep going. Also, Rachel Lee Cook later being like, We can't always do what we want. Sometimes you have to do what's right. But that was just like regular awful. Oh, and basically the end when they're like, anything but a first date, and they have that, like, the one he didn't see coming, Chiron, which is like a callback to his earlier dates. So I was like, I hate this. I hate this so much. The film is real bad. They were so fixated on like, in a moment your life can change and at one point Rachel Lee Cook said this because her niece was born and you're like whose life is changed your life do- they're already paired whose life is changing And it was because Damon Wayans Jr. had the whole thing about like his baseball injury I just I cared so little about everything but there were lots of people of color there were there were I don't even think I can like count them all because they were actually a good number of them I mean like say what you will about like Damon Wayans Damon Williams Jr. and his one friend, his patient. But I was like, well, it's nice that two black men get to share a seat and talk to each other in a Rob cop. When does this happen? I know, Really any two people of color. Yeah. Um So what would you score this film? <laughs> I don't know. Like it felt so awful to me at the time, but I was wondering if I'm just spoiled because for the podcast, we tend to be more selective about our movies. We watched so much garbage for the blog, and I have to say, I don't think I hated it as much as I hated some of those things. Yeah, but it was no A Christmas Prince. No, I just hated not being able to turn it off. Yes. It wasn't even The Night Before Christmas. It was inoffensive, mostly. Oh, I would watch A Night Before Christmas 700 times more before I watched this again. I would say maybe this is like a three- Yes, I wrote like somewhere between two and four, I guess. So three seems right. Yeah, because I just feel like it could be lower. Like we could have watched an Adam Sandler movie. Yes, this was not actively offensive to me, just deeply disappointing and slow. So slow, so slow. That was 90 minutes really crawl by. I gotta. Say, I was like, oh great, this movie's short, didn't feel short. But you know, I looked up the writers um, on their Twitters. And indeed, they are a bit older than us. Like, I'd say, like, 10 to 20 years. So that does make sense about some of the dialogue. But, like, they're kind of funny on Twitter. That did not come through in this film. I just want to say to Netflix, if they ever hear this, like, we could write you a better film. Just give us a call. I mean, it sounds like you've already written an alternate twist to this film. Yeah, it would have been better. It would have been better. I just want to say. So, um... Three out of ten. Rachel Lee Cook is a terrible lawyer. Three out of ten. I don't even know. Three out of ten. Out Busy of thou- Seattle restaurants. Yeah. Out of a thousand dates. Three out of ten horrifying forehead kisses. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming back to Rom Comathon, listening to our new episode. We're excited to be back. Um, we're actually, but we're actually going to go down to once a month. Uh, episodes, because I'm in grad school now, and shockingly it takes up a lot of time. Um, (laughs) So, less time for terrible movies, more time for school. But... I think I'd prefer that based on this film. Yeah. But we're still gonna be bringing you our hot takes. um, And really excited about future films that are not this. It's okay. I feel a little bad about how much we just dragged this movie i don't really think you should feel that bad but i think you should feel bad that we had to watch it at all i do i do feel bad and now i'm really scared about next week or about next month all right well thanks so much for listening follow us uh, on our social media it's in the credits and we'll talk to you next time Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at @Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Ramcomathon? You can read past reviews at ramcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at Ramcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and Ramcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Rom Comathon on iTunes. Thank you!